And hello, folks, and welcome to a special edition of Amateur Hour, a News and Observer College Sports Podcast. We're coming at you live here from Cameron Indoor Stadium in Durham. we got the vacuum cleaners going on around us. They're probably going to pack in the bleachers here in a little bit. In the hours after North Carolina's 76-72 victory here at Duke, I'm joined by Laura Keeley, who covers Duke for us. Hello, Laura. Andrew, how are you on this fine Saturday evening? I think I'm doing better than you because you've been complaining for the past 30 minutes about how tired and hungry you are. Both of those things are, in fact, true. Thanks for sharing them with our listeners. They're going to be delighted to hear, Laura. But anyway, uh, a game that wasn't too much unlike what we saw in Chapel Hill. UNC leading most of the way. UNC led by double digits in the first half. And then all of a sudden, it's a tie game with about 12 minutes to go. Grayson Allen makes that three. This place is going bonkers. Uh, it kind of had this feeling of, is UNC going to allow this to happen again, allow another second-half lead to slip away? And then from your vantage point, Laura, what do you think happened from that point on? Well, you know, I think, Andrew, immediately what happened was UNC scored uh, twice on fast break points to put the advantage back at four, and Mike Krzyzewski did call a timeout. And, you know, on that last uh, fast break point, what I th- I think it was, uh, was it Marcus Page who finished there at the other end? Marcus Page, yeah, Marcus Page coming up with a big layup. Yeah, look at that, look at that memory. Look at that recall ability, despite all of my personal needs right now. Anyhow, uh, Page got his layup in large part because Grayson Allen had been trying to sell a foul call on the other end. You know, he had shot a three, thought he had gotten, you know, contacted and, you know, fell to the ground and kind of held it for effect. And, you know, meanwhile, UNC is racing down the other end scoring points and you know Kay called timeout real quick and and really from there that was the only time it was tied in the second half Duke never got that close you know they they pushed UNC there at the end and you know the Tar Heels had to make free throws that they did make but but yeah that was definitely the moment where this game could have turned for Duke and it didn't and you know that's a credit to UNC. Yeah I really thought like at that moment that was a point in the game that you could definitely say was a defining moment for UNC And I thought it was a defining moment not only for this particular game, but for UNC's season, just because we've seen this show before with the Tar Heels. We've seen them uh, take large leads, double digits here tonight. In the first half, they were up 11. Uh, That got whittled down. UNC kind of built it back up, led by six at halftime, or eight at halftime, excuse me. Uh, And then seemed to be kind of in control early in the second half, and then here comes Duke, chipping away and chipping away. And it was just a kind of circumstance in which UNC has really faltered and failed in recent seasons. And you had the feeling that if it happened again here tonight, that this team just didn't have it. Uh, And I thought that UNC showed some heart and some hustle, especially late in the game. You know, Grayson Allen made that big three, cuts it down to, what, two points with however many seconds were left in the final minute. Then it was a two-point game again. Both times Marcus Page goes to the free throw line makes those shots. UNC 8-for-8 down the stretch in the final 26 seconds from the free throw line. And I think that might have surprised Duke a little bit, the fact that UNC could actually come up with some clutch plays there. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I will let him remain nameless, but I was speaking to somebody near me on press row at halftime, and I was like, and and said person had figured that, you know, Duke would probably win by two because until you can be the man – you can't be the man until you beat the man. And so at halftime, I check in, and I'm like, so you still like that? And he was like, yeah. Like, they, you know, you can't trust these guys. They folded too many times down the stretch. We've all seen this show before. And, and it did look like that could be coming. But, again, you know, credit UNC for getting it done and putting it away. And, 
you know, Marcus Page made, you know, four huge free throws there in the final 30 seconds. And some of them, you know, didn't even hardly move the net. It was, you know, it was in cold blood. It was what you want to see from your senior leader. And, you know, again, you know, I think you have to credit UNC. And, and Duke, I mean, when you look at this game for Duke, there's a million reasons why, like, Duke should have lost. And it's kind of a miracle it was as close as it was. You know, for the third straight game, they shot under 40% from the field. And that's not really, that's not going to get it done. By, you know, Kay's own admission, this is a three and free throw shooting team. They don't really have an inside presence. You know, Plumlee has done more than they could have asked, but he's not going to be your, you know, go-to option on offense. So, you know, Duke only gets to the free throw line 15 times. That's not enough. You know, they have to be able to drive. They have to be able to draw more fouls. That's how this team has to win. And then, Andrew, like, you know, this is the obvious one and what I wrote about after the game, but rebounding. You know, obviously Duke was at a disadvantage inside, but UNC got... 82% of the available defensive rebounds. You know, Duke hardly ever got a second-chance opportunity. And then when the Tar Heels were on offense and, you know, had offensive rebounding opportunities, they got 56% of those. Those are huge numbers, and that's what Duke was most upset about after the game. Yeah, I really felt like UNC exploited its size advantage. Duke, of course, only with one tree post player uh, in Marshall Plumlee. Uh, UNC kind of did tonight what it hoped to do the first time these teams played and that was just really abused Duke on the interior UNC holding an edge you know everywhere down low 42 to 20 edge and points in the paint uh, 20 to 8 and second chance points you mentioned the rebounding 64 rebounds for UNC 29 rebounds for Duke UNC almost with as many offensive rebounds 27 uh, as Duke had total in this game and I was a little bit surprised, Laura, to see Duke go zone as much as it did, but I guess it had no other choice. Yeah, Kay said that was a direct result of Brandon Ingram's foul trouble, and if you look, that's exactly when they did go zone. You know, UNC started the game on a kind of a 20-9 run, I would say, except there were plenty of missed shots to go around for everybody in there, but but then Ingram picks up his second foul, he goes out for the rest of the half, and, uh, you know, Duke goes to the 2-3 zone and attempts to to kind of stop UNC a little bit more. And then in the, in the second half, you know, in the very first possession, Ingram picks up his third foul. And then after that, they play zone the rest of the way. And, you know, not – you know, Mike Krzyzewski put it pretty plainly after the game. Duke's not going to win without Brandon Ingram. You know, that's, that's just not how this team's going to get it done. And his absence hurt them in rebounding because, you know, you all of a sudden your guy who can reach a, a 7-3 wingspan isn't out there trying to grab, grab the ball. And on offense – He's key to their spacing. You know, he just takes so much attention that it opens up more space for everyone else to drive, and Duke couldn't drive. But, but yeah, I was definitely surprised to see them go zone. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a team with a bunch of tired legs. They didn't like their matchup with Ingram on, on the bench, and that's what they have to do. And it's, it's probably uh, good to know, because I was going to ask if Kay didn't bring it up, but he did, you know, why Ingram didn't come back in the first half. And Kay's answer was simply that, you know, Duke started playing well. They did start hitting some threes, and, you know, they climbed out of that 20-9 to nine hole, and I think it was a, a three-point game at a couple different points in the first half. And then, then he really felt like for the final two minutes, if Duke could go into the locker room down just like six or eight, that they would be in a good spot. So that's exactly what happened. And he was pleased with what they were after a really up-and-down, you know, not fluid half for Duke to start the game. Laura, I think that you and I both wrote some prescient things here entering this game here today. You wrote about Duke shooting woes, having not shot very well. Certainly that held true again. Tonight, like you mentioned, Duke shooting 37.3%, another game shooting less than 40% for the Blue Devils. 
I wrote, meanwhile, just about how this was a chance for redemption, a chance for UNC to kind of come up with a defining moment, a turning point, if you will, uh, for a season that's been, I want to say, disappointing per se. UNC is still very much in the hunt for a number one seed. Um, but, yeah, been a bit underwhelming for the Tar Heels. They've certainly not been the consistent behemoth of a team that a lot of people expected them to be. There's been a lot of up and downs. There's been some consistency issues. There's been questions of toughness and heart and will and all these intangible characteristics that UNC, uh, you know, has struggled with, not having some of those things and some of these losses. And UNC finding a way for a change, showing some grit. Uh, and, again, too, Tar Heels improved to 10-0 when it attempts more than 23-pointers, which is just a weird, funky statistic. Steve Kirshner, the sports information director extraordinaire for the basketball program at UNC, came in the media room after Roy Williams' press conference on Friday, uh, and he gave some of us reporters a quiz, and the quiz was basically this. Nine games for UNC in which it shot more than 23-pointers, or at least 23s. What would be the Tar Heels' record in those games. My guess was three and six off the top of my head. Kirsch told me that that was Roy Williams's guess when Steve presented that stat to him. So not even Roy knew kind of what's been going on here with, with this weird stat. And it's not like UNC was successful shooting those threes. Four for 23 tonight. There's been some other games where they've shot that many threes and they have not gone in and they've managed to win. But yeah, just a weird, funky, kind of fluky statistic. UNC 10 and 0 when it shoots more than 23s. Finds a way to get it done. A big thing uh, in this game, that the free throw disparity, 20 for 23 was UNC at the free throw line, 9 for 15 was Duke. And the Tar Heels just kind of, they found a way to get it done, unlike the first time that we convened after a Duke-UNC game, huh? Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely what you take away from this game, is UNC had an opportunity to to really win a big, important game and close it out down the stretch, and that's that's what they did. And that, that three-point statistic is totally bonkers because you sit and you watch, and every time Marcus Page or Joel Berry jacks up like an early three in the shot clock, you just like you, you just kind of want to throw up your hands. You're like, what are you doing playing to your weaknesses? But, hey, I mean, I guess if you don't succeed at first, try, try, try 20 times again. Indeed. Well, Marcus said after the game today, he was like, you know what? I can miss a million shots in a row. That's what he said. That was his line talking about. I believe it. Talking about uh, getting to the free throw line and having those late free throw opportunities. He said, I could miss a million shots in a row. I'm always confident that the next one is going to go in. He said he was happy to have these opportunities at the line late to ice the game, in his words. And he did take a little bit of abuse today, especially defensively. Grayson Allen didn't shoot particularly well, 11 of 28. But he did go 6 of 11 from 3. He was very aggressive. He took Page to the hole a few times. But Page had a quote that I shared on Twitter uh, that was met with many a flame emoji. Laura, I'm not sure if you, if you saw my tweet, did you? I did not, know. Right, so basically Marcus was like, if I have to go on social media and read about how Grayson cooked me, he said, then that's okay because I'll just take my ACC championship and go home. Wow, that is some fire. Some spitting fire there from Mr. Marcus Page. Some hot fire from Marcus Page, to which several Duke fans on my timeline responded, well, it's okay because Grayson Allen will go back with his national championship ring. Well, you know, there is that. There is that, a good comeback. But, yeah, for, for UNC, obviously a jubilant, happy environment in the locker room after today. They left the visitor's locker room with Duke with a message written up on the whiteboard. It was still there when the locker room was clearing out. The number one, the word champions, is an ACC regular season champions. First one for UNC since 2012, which was also the last time before tonight 
that these guys had come over and won in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Yeah, you know, first, I believe Stillman White was the only one uh, before tonight who had ever won in Cameron. So, you know, I'm sure a victory that the UNC seniors will remember and value for, you know, the rest of their careers and time on this earth when they can sit and reflect about such things. Indeed. Well, they're sweeping up here at Cameron. They're dusting the seats or, you know, cleaning up everything. The vacuum cleaners are still going. Got some stand-ups here from the TV folks. I'm sure they were inspired by the stand that the, that we just did, Laura. We probably absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we probably taught them a thing or two. Jeff Gravely and Mark Armstrong here, just peeking over, looking for tips. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I think that's our cue to get on out of here. Thank you so much for listening once again. North Carolina with the 76-72 victory at Duke. We will see you, dear listeners, in Washington D.C. at the ACC tournament. I'm planning on doing a amateur hour podcast every day i'm hoping with laura and luke decock and joe Gillio. i'm not sure if joe will still be there when i get there well either joe or i will be gone because duke plays the winner of nc state wake forest on wednesday you will not begin work until thursday that's true but i'll be there wednesday oh then i guess one of us will be there but not both either maybe both we could maybe both still be there on wednesday be a, it could be a, a lot of uh, Luke DeCock here on the Amateur Hour podcast. But either way, we look forward to chatting with you there. We'll see you in Washington, D.C. Thank you so much for joining, Laura. Anytime, Andrew. Anytime. And thank you out there for listening to Amateur Hour. We will see you next time.